All right, so this is the last morning. We've been four weeks on one portion of Ephesians. We're going to read it again this morning for the last time, and then we're going to move on. We've been looking at different aspects of what it means to be in Christ, the Christian lifestyle of what it means to be in Christ. Now, some of you will be like me, that, that you are kind of into words and you're curious about words. But the word lifestyle is a relatively new word. Um, it was created by an, an Austrian doctor, I think it was 1929, and it was popularized in 1960, the word lifestyle. And it be, became popular in the 1960s because it was all about self-expression, and we want to create a lifestyle, a, uh, an identity that's unique. And if, you've, if you're new to Malibu, one of the things that we, most people do value here is our lifestyle. Um, we value the unique opportunities of what it means to do <clears throat> church outside in the middle of winter, and it's probably 75 degrees right out there, and it's comfortable, and the ocean's right there, the mountain's right there. And so it fits our lifestyle. And we like to express ourselves in our own unique ways. We like to dress differently, different musics, different styles. And so we value lifestyle. We, we value the uniqueness that we all can have in our lifestyle. <clears throat> but something happens when you become a Christian. And when I say an in Christ lifestyle, what that means is that while we all value the freedom to, to dress and, and listen to music and, and drive our cars and all of our different things that we like that create our own lifestyle. To be in Christ means that is submissive to what it means to follow Christ. That we put <clears throat> in Christ uh, ahead of that. And that's uh, it's a really actually a very profound and, and it's valuable for us to think about that for a moment. That while... You all like your lifestyle. You all like your freedom to choose your things you want to do. When you become a Christian and you are in Christ, the in Christ lifestyle means that is what takes precedent in your life. That's what's important in your life. And that's what Ephesians chapter 4 is all about. And if you have your Bible, let's turn to it and we'll read it. This is our last time. that we'll be looking at this section. So it is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25. Four commands. We've looked at one every week. The first command was, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak to your neighbor, <clears throat> excuse me, speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. So, command number one, in Christ's lifestyle. We're spe- we are truth speakers to one another. Alright? We are truth speakers to one another. And you have to remember that when Apostle Paul writes this stuff, it means that there are people in the church that are not doing that. If we're honest with one another, there is a tendency for us to not value the truth as much as we should. Number one command, to put away falsehood and speak truth. Next, he says, the second command was to be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And give no opportunity to the devil. So we are to handle the emotional response of anger very carefully. And know 
that it easily slides into sin. But we are to hold on to righteous anger, an anger that stands up for those who cannot stand up for themselves. The third one was, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. All right? And I guess it's all right to share this, but we had like a little rash of theft that happened in our church this week, so... Um, I don't know what the point of that is or the providence of God and all that of teaching us, but a couple of people had like, like for real stuff, like thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars of stuff stole this week. So um, let the thief no longer steal. Yes. And this is actually a very interesting, uh, the concept of, of work and generosity. And we, I won't talk about this again because we did last week, but the idea is you're to work so you have money to give. That we are called to work so that we can be generous people to help those in need. The last command then that we're going to look at today is this. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for the building up, as it fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And we'll spend a little bit of time on this this morning. And this is probably... This is so significant for all of us. And if we can just like slow down for a moment and just think about how much we love to talk. And we just all witness that, that it's, it's a very fun thing to do. We love to see each other and talk. And we talk a lot. Some of you talk more than you should. But that's okay. Some of you need to talk more. We're going to look at this morning about the purpose of speech. And he's going to say, his, Paul says this, use your speech... Use your words to build people up. Before we look at that this morning, we're going to look at the power of words. And if you don't understand this, I'm telling you this morning that your mouth is capable of tremendous good. It's also capable of tremendous evil. That it is is a powerful tool And once you put something out there, it's out there for good. And we all, we all talk so much. And here's the thing, and I was, again, you know, I I think about this all week. I speak, unfortunately, publicly seven days a week um, for the last month or so. Monday through Friday at school, Saturdays I coach basketball, Sundays I'm speaking here. And I just guarantee you this, when you speak a lot publicly, you just say dumb things sometimes. And you hurt people's feelings sometimes. And you can be careless sometimes. And it is so valuable for us this morning, for the next 25 minutes or so, to think carefully about how we use our words. It is a weapon. It is a, um, a weapon for tremendous pain and evil. And I've talked to people in our church where they've said they've, they have memories and these are adults, where they have memories where their older brothers picked on them and it forever damaged their friendship. Decades-long scars because of mean speech happens all the time. Last night, um, it was evening time, and after uh, three basketball games, we finally made it home, and we had a dinner, one of the boys had a dinner party, a basketball party, and, and one of my boys had taken off his shoes and for whatever reason really enjoyed like picking between his toes. And so I said, okay, you need to go wash your hands now. 
And so then he did, and he get, went back, and he started doing it again. And I was like, why are you picking at your feet? You just wash your hands. I made him cry. And he was like, I was not picking my feet. He didn't like that word. He said, I was touching them. <laughs> and I was like, okay. But my, my point is, is that the tone of my voice and the words I chose made one of my boys cry. And I know that it was the end of the night, end of the evening, and a long day, and so he's probably tired. But just it was a reminder. <clears throat> we speak all the time. We speak so much. We don't even think about it. And the words that we use have great potential for good <clears throat> and for evil. All right, so here's what we're going to do. Number one, I've got four things. Just a little bit longer introduction and then a little bit less time in the actual text this morning. Four things about our speech that we need to just be thinking about. <clears throat> Number one, and I've already mentioned this already, your words have tremendous power. Do not underestimate the power of your words. They can change someone's life forever. They can change someone's life for that day, for a week, for a month. And we can, all of us can think back to things that people have said to us years and years ago that they probably have no idea that they said, that still sticks in your mind. Your words have tremendous power. Let me give you a few verses. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18 says this. <clears throat> there is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts. Rash words, words without thinking, are like swords cutting people. The Bible uses graphic, real language so that we will think carefully about how we use our words. The one who uses rash words, just reaction type words, are like sword thrusts. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. You can bring tremendous healing to someone's life. Proverbs 16.24, gracious words are like the honeycomb, sweetness to the soul, and health to the body. Proverbs 18.7, a fool's mouth is his ruin, and his lips are a snare to his soul. Tremendous potential for good or evil, and we must think, to be the in Christ lifestyle. How are you using your words? How do you speak to people? Are you tearing them down? Are you building them up? And what often happens is the people that you're closest to have the greatest potential for pain and damage in your relationships. Um, we've, there's an old, um, there's an, an old local man that most of you do not know. Um, his name is Dr. Lowe, and, and he's getting... Uh, really old, and I don't see him hardly anymore. But last night I was studying, just going over some stuff at Starbucks, and he came by in his wheelchair, and he said, what are you doing with his Chinese accent? And, um, and I said, I'm, I'm just studying for tomorrow for church. And he said, what church? And I said, the church with the renters. He said, oh, okay. Renters and uh, stokers and the molders, and, and he knew all these people. And, he, and my Bible was there, and he looked at me, and he said, that's, that's a good thing. That's a good thing you're doing, studying the Bible. That simple thing, and, and here's a man, you know, he's old, 
and he's someone that I like, and I just, for anyone that lives that long, I, just, I like you a lot, all right? <laughs> and those simple words, those simple words of saying, that's a good thing, that, like, that encouraged me so much. It was just, it was so powerful. And simple words can lift people up. Reactionary type words can tear people down. And we're just so, care- we're so often so careless of how we speak. All right, so number one, your words have tremendous power. And the question is that we just need to think for just a moment is why are our words so powerful? And there's one really unique and obvious kind of aspect to this that, that why they are so powerful. And that is because as people, as human beings who are made in the image of God, it is one aspect of being made in the image of God that is God-like. We know from the very beginning in the creation of the world, the world that God spoke creation into, into existence. That His Word the spoken word is how he communicates to us. And that as human beings, there is a similar aspect to us that we speak to each other. That's how we function in life. We communicate to each other. And so because of that, because God is a personal God that speaks to people, it demonstrates power. Your words have tremendous power. Number two, your words have lasting impact on people. Your, wor- your words will have a lasting impact on people. And just like I said earlier, all of you, I'm sure, have things, memories, good things and bad things. I can still remember this day. I don't know what grade I was in, probably seventh or eighth grade. And I was at a Christian school, and one of my teachers was talking to the principal, and they were like, yeah, he's, he's, he's no good in math. He can't do algebra in eighth grade or whatever it was. And I was like, I was like sitting behind the wall, like wanting to cuss him out and like, because they were like saying like mean things like behind my back, but I heard it. They didn't know I heard it. I still remember that. I'm over it. I had some therapy sessions and, and I've dealt with it now, but I'm, I'm, I'm okay. There's no bitterness in my heart anymore. As I'm cussing under my breath. Yes, right. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But my point is, I do remember that. All right? We all have things in our lives, whether it was just something mean or cruel that someone says, and those things grab a hold of your life. They grab a hold of your heart. And it can take a long time to, just to, to pry that stuff away. I remember another time this just stuck with me. I must have been 19 or 20, and I was doing a Campus Crusade for Christ thing, and there was a, a, a girl that was a senior in college and I didn't know her at all. And she just walked up to me kind of randomly and like put her hands on my shoulders and just looked at me right in the face and said, don't ever fall away from Jesus. And, I, and it was just kind of like this authoritative thing. And it, she just was serious. That stuck with me. That, like, that, that put a mark on my... I have no idea who that, that girl was or that woman was. No idea what her name is. But she just spoke a word to me that just stuck with me. And, and, and honestly, during difficult times in my spiritual life, that stuck. Okay, that was, I know exactly where I was. I was in San Diego, Mission Beach, probably 1991 or so. I know exactly where I was in the house on the beach when she said that to me. And it stuck. Your words have lasting impact on people. Number three, your words, the words you use, reveal 
the real you. The words you use reveal the real you. Matthew 12, 34, Jesus says, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. From here, thoughts and things come up that we speak. And this is important just for a second, because we know that the gospel is not about external behavior. We know that the gospel is about a heart transformation. But there is an important connection. We cannot ignore or reject words or external things, because external things reveal what's in your heart, and external things, words, do damage. Jesus also said, it is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth. This is what defiles a person. Jesus is saying things, powerful things, that should force us to think for a minute and not be so careless about how we speak. And that's why often, sometimes, when I say the words you use reveal the real real you, it's possible that some people here could be a little bit nervous because the real you speaks with different words, with a different way, different tone, when you're with your own close friends, that maybe you feel the freedom to be the real you, and the real you would be utterly embarrassing if the rest of us knew how you spoke. And this is tremendously convicting for men who are married. If you played, if you secret, secretly recorded how I speak to my wife in my home, and I played it publicly for you this morning, would that be an example to the younger men who, here who are single? All of us men that are married, Christian men, do we speak to our wives in an honorable way? Are we building them up? And I'm telling you this now, if you're not married, that the people you love the most, the people you're around the most, that's when you're the most flip, the most free, the most casual to let mean talk come out of your mouth. And the same thing for you women, Christian wives. How do you speak to your husbands? Could we play it publicly for all the single women and say, this is how a Christian woman speaks to her husband? Are we saying positive things, building them up? Are we nagging, tearing them down, always identifying identifying faults? Jesus takes his words very seriously. Your words have tremendous power. Your words have a lasting impact. Your words reveal the real you. The last thing I want to look at that Jesus talks about is this, is that your words are the basis for your judgment. The words you use are the basis for your judgment. Matthew 12, 36-37, this is Jesus speaking, and he says this, I tell you this, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Give an account for every careless word you say, every idle word you say. The words that we use reveal whether or not there has been a heart transformation. There's a part of this 
when we hear such serious things like this from Jesus, that it makes us all like, kind of want to shut up for a while, right? And just like not say anything for a while. All right, so we have to avoid two extremes. One, we want to avoid just ridiculous, silly, happy talk all the time that doesn't mean anything, that turns into flattery and just becomes garbage. When we look at all of these, these four commands in context and grab them together, honest talk, honest talk, talk that stands up for those who cannot protect themselves, anger. Um, and then the last one here, unwholesome talk. Our words, we are to be a community. Our words are to be words that build each other up. All right, so let's just look at the text for just a moment, and we'll explain this. So number one from the passage, don't use the power of your words to tear people down. Listen, life, we all know this, right? Life is hard enough when we don't need our friends, people that care about us, from tearing us down. We don't need to be cut and shred to pieces. Life is difficult enough that we need each other to build each other up. And so he says this, let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth. And the word corrupt is a very interesting word. Uh, it's kind of a, a rare word, but it has to do with filthy, corrupt talk, decaying words, negative words, destructive words. It's used in uh, the Gospels in reference to rotten fruit and rotten fish. That that's the impact that your words can have on people. That it hurts, it decays from the inside out. That's how much damage it can happen. Abusive speech, cynical speech, slander, Words, one way to think about this, and here's the thing, and you've probably all experienced this before. If you had a conversation with someone and you're not expecting it and they just start blasting you with some, some negative words, they're almost like delayed negative bombs that go off. And you, you leave the conversation and, you, and a short time later you're like, what did they say? And, and it, it causes sincere and real pain and, 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 um, and angst in our lives. As someone, as a community of people who are in Christ, end the corrupt talk, end negative speech, end hurtful speech, but instead, the last part of verse 29, only such as is good for the building up, only use words that build up people and fits the occasion that it may, may give grace to those who hear. Our words, the speech we use, are to be, to be agents of grace. To be building up people, to be revealing of the gospel of grace. The opportunity this morning for us to think about our lives and the, the future ramifications or the future implications of how we live our lives, of the kind of people you will be, the kind of people you will become, there is nothing more practical and nothing more urgent than for us to reflect and think carefully about how we speak to people. One of the most... This is, again, this, uh, this is from Chapel, 1992 or so. And a speaker was speaking at the Christian school I went to, and he said this. When I was in college, one of the most 
common ways people build friendships is through negative attacks on another person. There's something awful within all of us where conversation can go really well and really easy when you can find another friend that dislikes the same person you dislike. And the conversation will flow easily and naturally with disgust and evil. I'm telling you right now, it's natural. You will, I guarantee you, if you're honest with yourself, you will catch yourself doing that probably by the end of the day or sometime this week. Going negative with a friend about someone else. There has to be uh, an identification of who you are in Christ. That that is not who you are. That's not who we are. We are to use our words to build up. So just a few things here to, to finish this. So how do we do this? How do we use words to build up people in Christ? And number one, you begin this process by daily renewing your identity in Christ. That's why Paul spends chapters 1, 2, and 3 saying over and over again different aspects of what God has done for you in Christ. That is not who you are in Christ. Renew your identity in Christ. Daily renew yourself. Renewing your mind with the truth of God's Word. And the the danger of this is that without this, the tongue and language is so powerful that you will regularly just slide back into your normal habits. And my concern, we've got married people and single people here, and I'm telling you right now, if you're single, that one of the most damaging and, and dangerous things you can do that will happen to you in your married life is just the, the pattern of being negative with your spouse. Always identifying the flaws and freely speaking them out. We become experts at finding flaws in our spouses and pointing them out in a demeaning, harmful, painful way. Number one, renew your identity in Christ. Another thing that helps is understand the purpose of your words. Jesus says something really Interesting, and different translations have a different word, but the word is careless or idle. Idle talk, like empty chatter. Think about how much we, we talk about nothingness and just chatter and just like, we just feel like there has to be noise going on. And I'm not, here's the thing, I'm not sure if this is like a guy thing or what, but like I can, I can be with a guy friend and not feel like I have to like talk every single second and it is a guy thing? All right, fine. <laughs> All right, like, it's okay. It's okay to be silent. You can, and I'll tell you what this is, I don't know what this has to do with, but I just thought of this. I went to a, um, a retreat when I was in seminary, and I didn't get the memo that it was like, for the first 24 hours, it was a non-talking thing. And so I walk in, I'm like, hey, everybody. And it was, there was like, shh. So there's no talking. Silence is good. So talk all you want, but listen, be careful. Talking is great. But Jesus says, your idle words, words that don't have purpose, what are you talking about? Does it have any value at all? Is it just empty, meaningless talk? 
Jesus tells us the exact same thing. That we build people up when we identify purpose with our words. Build people up by renewing your identity in Christ. Have purpose for your words. Number three, know people well enough to know their needs. Use your words to meet people's needs. And this is just, this is like an an overlooked function of the body of Christ. Use your words to encourage, to strengthen, to build people up. You you can do life-altering change with people when you use your words to build them up. Sometimes there are people that that when they're just talking all the time, we just almost want to like cringe and like walk away. All right, that's words that don't have purpose. Our conversation needs to have purpose. Don't use empty, flattery type words that have no meaning or significance or purpose at all. God has given us this tremendous opportunity and gift to use our mouths, our words, to build each other up. And we all talk a ton. We talk all the time. And what we've got to do, we've just got to think carefully about what it means to have, to live an in-Christ lifestyle. An in-Christ lifestyle means you're thinking carefully about your words. That you're ending, that you're putting aside the corrupt talk, the demeaning talk, the hurtful talk, the tear-down talk, but we're building people up. Last verse. And this is how serious Paul takes it. Verse 30 says this in context to the the commandment. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Corrupt talk grieves the Holy Spirit. There is a a mourning, a sadness, a, a hurtful, deep grieving that goes on with it in the Spirit of God, when we slander people, when we attack people, when we gossip people, when we tear people down with our words. Skip down to verse 32, and I'm going to be done. Verse 32 says this, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. The centrality of the gospel, the centrality of the Christian faith is that it is a faith based on forgiveness, based on what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. This morning we're going to have communion and and I just want you to take this opportunity that if this has been a problem for you, that this is the morning, this is the opportunity for you just to get real and honest before God and deal with things in a straightforward, honest way. There is nothing better in the Christian life than coming clean and experiencing the grace and forgiveness of Jesus. That is what brings wholeness and health and enables you and empowers you to leave here this morning a new person. I'm going to pray and then Todd's going to come up and we're going to do a couple songs and then we'll do communion. And I just want you to take this opportunity because this morning, uh, the slant on communion this morning is think carefully about how we speak and to use this opportunity to start today to be a builder-upper of people, to be a person who uses your words to build up people with grace. 
That's what we are called to do. That's who we are. That's your identity in Christ. Join with me in prayer.